The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello and welcome in to the Sportscaster and her son, where sports bridges a gap between generations. I'm your host for today, Jason Canander, Generation Z, brand new contributing writer at Southside Sox. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Canander. And I am sure you are already wondering where my mom is. Don't panic. Don't worry. She's on vacation. Just going to be me for today. Very, very, very excited for this one. First and foremost, Big thank you to everybody who has downloaded the Sportscaster and her son from Apple, Podbean, SoundCloud, and on YouTube or wherever you might listen. Please, 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 please continue to do so. Spread the word to family, friends, colleagues, whoever. Download, subscribe, rate us. Before we get going on the episode, really exciting news. Very shortly, we will have some brand new debut merch for the Sportscaster and her son t-shirts, potentially hats. If you have any ideas on what you would want to see on a t-shirt, on a hat, on anything, please hit me or my mom up on Twitter. We are open to any suggestions. Sure, it might be a little rough around the edges at first, but very excited to finally be getting some merch. I've wanted this for a while. It's finally going to come true. Hope y'all will buy it up, support the podcast, support your favorite show. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for more updates on that. Really, really looking forward to it. So typically, my mom will sit here and tell you that we don't always get along, but we share a passion for sports. So in this episode, there's no getting along that needs to be done, no passion that needs to be shared. It's just going to be me and my opinions, which I love to vocalize. So I have a couple topics in sports that I would love to talk about. Just going to ring off my opinions on them. Yes, Mom, when you're listening to this, it will be PG-13. But it's been a very, very eventful past few weeks in sports since we did the last episode. And there's a lot to talk about, a lot more than we'd be able to talk about in any episode. So very excited to kind of spit out my opinions here. Maybe you'll agree with me. Maybe you won't. That's the fun in this. That's why we love sports, isn't it? First up, first topic, excuse me, for that matter, that I would love to discuss is the new rules on foreign substances in Major League Baseball. Chaotic, to say the least. In the two weeks since the, since the MLB has mandated the new policy on controlling the foreign substances used by pitchers, there has been quite the backlash between... The pitchers feeling inconvenienced by every time they walk off the mound after an inning, having to give up their equipment, their hat. You had Sergio Sergio Romo pull his pants down on the first day of the checks. It has been quite the spectacle to watch as a fan. I cannot imagine how annoying it must be as a pitcher. 
But the way that baseball has shifted since the new rules have been in place has been incredible. Just about every pitcher's spin rates are down, which was expected because it was pretty common knowledge that just about every single guy was using something to get a better grip on the baseball. Now, as I said in our last episode, the spider tack should not be allowed. That is an unfair advantage, but I have always supported the idea that pitchers should be able to use whatever they want within the realm of being reasonable to get a better grip on the ball. It makes the level of competition better, safer for the hitters so that a fastball doesn't go awry and hit them in the head, and it just it levels out the playing field. So in the first two weeks since the substances have been done away with, some hitters in Major League Baseball just look completely different. How about Kyle Schwarber, our old friend in Chicago, has hit 12 home runs in 10 games. Two weeks ago, there were 66 players in Major League Baseball that had more home runs than him. Where we sit today, there are two that have more home runs than Kyle Schwarber. Absolutely incredible. Other guys, Shohei Otani, Joey Gallo, have gotten incredibly hot since the new rules have been in place. The funniest thing, though, for me in all of this was the fact that the first ejection came against the White Sox, and it was another old friend, Hector Santiago, which is especially funny to me because anybody that's followed the White Sox for a long period of time knows that Hector Santiago is probably about the least likely person to try to cheat. Great clubhouse guy, great guy, and, you know, truth be told, not the greatest pitcher, doesn't throw very hard, doesn't get a ton of break on his pitches. So I thought that it was absolutely hilarious that Santiago was a almost kind of like the test hamster to get tossed for just for using rosin in his glove. On the same topic, last night, White Sox, Lucas Giolito made his start against the Twins, gave up a first-inning two-run homer to Josh Donaldson. And as Donaldson crossed the plate, he made a comment about how it's not sticky anymore. And after the White Sox won in the post-game interview, we got an absolute Hall of Fame soundbite from Giolito basically saying that Donaldson's a pest, that he thought that that was a low blow, that it was unreasonable, a couple curse words mixed in there that I'm not going to say. And then in answering the follow-up question, Giolito made this comment that went something like, the W's next to my name, they're in last place. Absolutely love that out of Lucas Giolito. The White Sox have been struggling lately. Everybody knows this, and they've been looking for that one game, the one series that'll give them a boost. That energy from Giolito could be what brings this team back to where they were two weeks ago, and truth be told, I did not expect Lucas Giolito, of all players, to make a comment like that, but I'm here for it. White Sox and Twins hasn't exactly been a rivalry, but the Twins are a team that have beat up on the White Sox in recent memory, and to see that kind of shifting this year has been great, but to also see the White Sox assert themselves as the more dominant team has been even greater. So I can't speak enough about how much I love Lucas Giolito defending his guys, going after Donaldson. I agree, Donaldson's a pest. He's incredibly annoying to face because he's just one of those guys that seems to kill the White Sox and won't shut up about it. So everything that went down on Tuesday night between the White Sox and Twins, I love it. I'm here for it. Third topic, 
kind of staying in the same lane. Since we did the last episode talking about Chicago baseball, ironically enough, both teams have really hit a lag. Immediately after we recorded the last show with Mark G and Greco, the White Sox went on to get swept on the road by the Astros, split a two-game series with the Pirates, and lose a three-game series to the Mariners. I'm personally not panicking. Without Madrigal, Robert, and Jimenez, don't want to say that this sort of slump was expected, but I think we were all kind of wondering, like, when will this team kind of come back down to earth or at least play like they should be playing with the players that are currently in the lineup? So when guys come back, like Robert and Jimenez, after the All-Star break, I think that the White Sox will be back. I'm not worried about them. Now for the Cubs, if I were a Cubs fan, I'd be a little concerned because we're starting to hit a point in the year where if the Cubs don't start winning games, and I don't just mean going 500 on road trips, if they don't start making traction in the standings, losing back-to-back games to the Milwaukee Brewers does not do that, by the way, then the Cubs are going to have to sell this summer. That means Chris Bryant could be out of town. That means Craig Kimbrell, Ryan Tapera, Jock Peterson, and potentially even Javier Baez could all be shipped out at the deadline. So bringing my opinion in here, I think that the Cubs have to sell no matter what. Obviously, I'm a little biased as a White Sox fan, but even Cubs fans can agree. The way that this roster currently looks, this is not a World Series roster and is probably not even a playoff roster. And with the amount of expiring contracts and the lack of a premier farm system, the Cubs have to sell. They absolutely have to. I actually heard a couple days ago that the Cubs and White Sox could be getting reinvolved in trade talks, which we all know how that went the last time with Jose Quintana going to the north side and Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease going to the south side. Will be a completely different story this time around if anything happens because the White Sox are now the ones buying and the Cubs will likely be the ones selling, but... I think that the White Sox and the Cubs would be ideal trade partners, and if it's going to rile up the city, I'm here for it. Would honestly be the second best thing behind a Cubs-Sox World Series, which is not happening this year. Next topic, NBA playoffs. People need to relax with the ridiculing of this year's playoffs. Just because LeBron and KD and Curry aren't playing in the conference finals doesn't mean it hasn't been a great playoffs. Sometimes it's okay for the norm to be done away with for one season, especially considering the fact that at this time last year, there were literally no professional sports being played. That's why I find it so ridiculous that people are complaining about this year's playoffs. Suns and Clippers to this point has probably been one of the most exciting series in recent memory between the DeAndre Ayton game winner, the Suns going absolutely crazy in game one, the Clippers going down 3-1 and then winning in big fashion, leading for all but two minutes behind Paul George going off like he never has in the playoffs. All the jokes last year, Pandemic P, the jokes about Playoff P saying that he's a great regular season player, but he never shows up in the playoffs. Well, this year he has, and I'm sorry if you're not watching because your favorite player isn't playing, but it's been a pretty damn exciting playoffs. Some guys have really vaulted themselves to stardom. Trey Young, who was an all-star this season, but now entering next season could be viewed at as a near top 10 player in the NBA. Same can be said for Devin Booker, who has been the Suns rock this entire playoffs. Everyone thought it would be Chris Paul, but once Chris Paul went out due to COVID protocols, Devin Booker took over and the Suns didn't miss a beat. So this is my call to everybody. Watch the playoffs. Please, please, please watch the playoffs. Whether you're not watching because LeBron isn't in it or you just don't find any interest in the teams, stop being spoiled. 
Seriously. We all remember what it was like at this time last year. Turn the playoffs on. Enjoy it. I promise the majority of these games have been close. That's been the chief argument against the NBA has been there. The competition level is so there's such a divide between the top and the bottom, even of the playoffs. But these series have all been so exciting. There have been so many incredible moments. You got to watch, though, in order to take that all in and in order to recognize that. Staying in the same lane with the NBA, there has been a very big downside, and it has been the injuries, especially to star players throughout the playoffs and the regular season. The Lakers had LeBron went down about midway through the season. Anthony Davis was banged up just about all year, and LeBron spoke before the season, during the season, and after he was eliminated about how he believed that the NBA started the season up too soon because the NBA Finals weren't played out until the middle of October. I totally agree with that. In hindsight, the NBA absolutely should not have started at the end of December when they did, seeing as that LeBron was 100% not at 100%. AD was out for most of the playoffs. Jamal Murray went down before the playoffs. But the real blows haven't even really been felt until the playoffs, with Kyrie Irving getting hurt, James Harden getting hurt. That, for all intents and purposes, eliminated the Brooklyn Nets, who... Everybody wanted to see in the finals this year with KD, Kyrie, and Harden. Giannis Antetokounmpo went down last night in game four of the Hawks-Bucks series. Does not look good. He's getting an MRI today. By the time the episode's out, everyone will know what happened. But Giannis going down, especially at the time that he went down, is a really, really big blow to the NBA's image. Especially considering the fact that on the other side of the playoffs, Kawhi Leonard probably isn't playing in the finals. So right now, if you're the NBA, you're looking at best-case scenario for the finals is a somewhat fully healthy Suns team with a Chris Paul that hasn't really looked like Chris Paul since coming out of quarantine, a healthy Hawks team, but a Hawks team that looked way, way, way out of contention in December, and although they were the four-seed, are the four-seed in the playoffs, still haven't gotten that much attention because Trey Young's been great, but he still isn't that superstar that everybody knows and everybody watches and everyone tries to emulate. If the Bucks make it, it'd be nice, but the competition level just won't be there without Giannis. So all the injuries have really come back to bite the NBA in particular. They wanted to start the season quickly. I understand it. You want to get the, re- the league calendar back to where it should be. But they certainly brought this along way too fast. And injuries happen. That's sports. If we're being honest, every year in the NBA, at least a couple of the big star players go down with brutal injuries. But this year has just been a little bit too much. As I made very clear the last topic, I'm still going to watch. I hope that you still watch. But the NBA really needs to reconsider how they treat their players and how they value the actual content that's being put on the court. At this point for the NBA, if they want to expand globally... They can't just try to get games on the court just for the sake of getting games on the court. They need to make sure that the players that are playing are at their highest level, are healthy, and that their best players are playing. So in the future, when something like this comes up, the NBA needs to err on the side of caution instead of on the side of urgency because I don't think we'd be complaining if the finals were in August or September. I really don't. I don't think the players would. I don't think the ratings would change too much. The summer is summer. Nothing's going to change between June and August for ratings for the NBA Finals. Basketball fans will watch. 
Have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you could be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. Scotty Pippen. Oh man, has he had quite the week. Earlier last week, he was making waves on Twitter, going after Kevin Durant after KD made a comment about how Scottie Pippen was the one that didn't want to take the last shot. I think that everything that Scottie Pippen's been doing in the past week, and hold on, let me list it off really quick. Going after KD, going on the Dan Patrick show, and saying that he believes that Phil Jackson's reasoning behind giving Tony Kukoc the final shot in the playoff series was racially motivated. I, You know, maybe he's right. And I wasn't around back then, so I'm not going to really get into what I think about that because my opinion doesn't really matter on that. But what Scotty's trying to do is so clear and obvious. I mean, the guy has a bourbon company that just hit the market. He has a book coming out in the fall. There were reports a couple years back that his financial situation didn't look too amazing. Everybody that watched The Last Dancer that was around in the 90s knows how horrible of a contract he signed. I can see right through you, Scotty. And if I can as a 19-year-old, I'm sure everybody that's older than me and that has been following you knows exactly what you're doing right now. Like, we know that Scottie Pippen is trying to get publicity, but like the the rollout and the way that he's been trying to do it has honestly been so funny to me because we're kind of reaching this point where it's like, all right, what's Scottie going to say next? What's he going to do next? How is he going to try to get more publicity? How is he going to be in the public eye? Because he knows that any attention is good attention for him. He's been out of the NBA for however many years. The last dance was really bad publicity, honestly, for Scottie Pippen. The way that he was portrayed, I thought was unfair no, he thought was unfair. And I I just think that everything that he's doing right now is really just kind of sad because we're reaching a point where if he goes any further than he's went, he could be affecting the way his legacy, the way that people in Chicago look at him. Like Dan Patrick said yesterday, the day after the interview, he said, uh, you know, you don't touch the 90s Bulls. Everybody likes to think that the 90s Bulls all loved each other and they'd all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And, you know, and we all know that's not like that in professional sports, especially when you keep the same group around for such a long period of time. But Scotty really needs to be careful because he's going to sell his bourbon. He's going to sell his book. He has lifelong fans. The Bulls have one of the strongest fan bases in the NBA, and there is probably no dynasty in the history of professional sports that is more well-known and accomplished than the 90s Bulls. So this is kind of my call to Scotty Pippen. Just stop. Just stop, dude. Like, 
we love you in Chicago, but you need you need to knock it off with the fishing for publicity because it's just sad. Now we're going to move on to predictions. I'm just very excited to finally be riding solo here. My own script, my own rollout, my own everything. So we're going to roll with a couple predictions here as we usually do, just without my mom leading into them this time. And first off, I'm going to say the foreign substance rule in Major League Baseball won't stick. Yes, there was a pun intended there. The rash of injuries that has happened since this rule has come out has actually been like really heartbreaking as a baseball fan between Shane Bieber, John Means, Tyler Glasnow. These guys just don't look the same. Last night, Lucas Giolito only struck out one batter in six innings and just looked so uncomfortable. And Tyler Glasnow, after he went down in his start against the White Sox, first start without foreign substances, said that the comfort level thing is just so much different. So many guys that used to be able to throw the ball with ease are putting their entire arm into the ball and are going to get hurt. And Major League Baseball, I think, is going to recognize this. They can't backtrack on a rule that was established during the season, so the rest of the season is going to go down like this. But I think that in the winter, the Players Association and Major League Baseball are going to have a little conversation. They're going to regulate things such as rosin and sunscreen that can be used for a better grip on the baseball. But the the spider tax stuff should be and will be out of the game. Second prediction, I think that the Cubs are going to sell makes absolutely no sense for them to buy the deadline as i said i just don't think that this roster is a world series or really even a playoff roster cubs are in a tight money situation if they can give up some money loosen up that payroll in july absolutely that needs to be their goal anything else you get in return any prospects no matter how highly touted they are is a sweetener. The Cubs need to be looking towards the next five years and not the next five months. And I think that they will do just that. Third and final prediction, we talked a good amount about the NBA today. I'm going to say that the Suns win the finals. And this might be kind of a by-default pick. But to be honest, no team in the Western Conference was more consistent throughout the season probably than the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul has been the anchor that they have needed for years with Devin Booker putting up 35 points a night, but the Suns not really going anywhere. Now with CP3, that veteran presence in the locker room has been such a difference maker. It's been amazing seeing DeAndre Ayton come into his own campaign. Former Chicago Bull has really found his shot in the playoffs. Been incredibly happy to watch that for him. I think that we're going to see a Suns-Hawks finals now that Giannis is down. I think that it is going to be a far more exciting series than anybody could possibly imagine, but I think the Suns are going to win. The veteran presence of Chris Paul, Devin Booker's had the hot hand. I think he's the best player that is healthy remaining in the playoffs. DeAndre Ayton has been too good. I think he's going to absolutely own Clint Capella or whoever he could possibly face out of the East. Suns are going to win the finals, and I'm here for it. Okay, my final thoughts. So when my mom first approached me about doing the show myself, my immediate reaction was hell freaking yes. I started to write when I was 15 years old. I lied about my age so that I could get a gig and it was the greatest thing that had really ever happened to me at the time. I spent the next three years in high school on Twitter concealing my age, 
staying anonymous, trying to leave any age-related things out of discussion. But what I've realized now is that there is this stigma really in the world, and especially in America, and honestly, especially in the sports media industry where if you're young, you need to wait your turn. I hate that mentality. I hate, 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 hate that mentality. Just because I'm 19 years old doesn't mean that my opinion matters any less than somebody who's 35 years old. Just because I'm 19 years old doesn't mean that whatever I write is is less appealing than what somebody who's been in the industry for 20 years writes. I'm going to be biased here, but that's because I can. I think that we need to completely do away with the whole experience and waiting your turn mentality in really everything, in every business. If you're qualified and if you know what you're doing and if you're motivated and you're energetic and you're smart and you're well-rounded, you should have the opportunity to be in whatever role you want in this world. And anytime somebody that's young, somebody that's in their 20s, when I see on Twitter, somebody gets you know a big job in a position of power, youngest person to do this, youngest person to broadcast this, youngest person to join this, I love it. I absolutely love it. The Generation Z is taking over the world, and I'm sure that everybody hears that all the time. It's so cliche. It's probably been said about every single generation, but I just think that, you know, if young people can do something, they can do something. That's why we all go to college is because we need to, because there's this idea that we need to get this education, we need to get this degree, because that's how everybody's always done it. And listen, I go to college. I love college. I love, you know, studying. I totally agree with the value of a degree, but I think it's about time that we do away with the way that things are done and the idea that you need tenure in wherever you've been or that he's not experienced enough. He's not, you know, he's just too young. I've dealt with that for so many years now and I'm so sick and tired of it. And that's why I was so excited to do this show today because it's an opportunity that probably doesn't arise for so many people because this is an audience that has been established mainly due to my mom. And now today I get this platform to speak about what I want to kind of run the show. And anytime a young person can get an opportunity like this to speak in front of an audience, I'm there for it. I love it. Our thanks as always to Adam Yaffe in guiding the show, to Aldo Gandhi and the Bears Barroom Network. Do not forget, you can find our podcast website at thesportscasterandherson.com and on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, too. Download, subscribe, and rate our podcast on Apple, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and wherever you may listen. Thank you. 20,000 listens and counting. Goodbye. Good night. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. My mom will be back soon. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.